Hello and welcome to the Self-Sufficient Podcast. This is Carl from selfsufficienthub.com and we're here to talk all things self-sufficiency. Welcome to episode 12 of the Self-Sufficient Podcast and today we're talking about one of my favourite plants. It's a plant I'm very, very passionate about and that is watercress. It's a plant that I love so much for so many different reasons. It's such a utility plant. It serves so many purposes. It's so easy to propagate. It's so easy to grow. It's easy to harvest. You can find it in the wild. You can grow it yourself. It really is a fantastic, fantastic plant. So the first thing I'm going to talk about is growing your own watercress. It is the easiest plant in the world to grow. You can grow it from seed or you can grow it from any part of the plant itself. Now, in nature, different plants have different characteristics. There are some plants that can only be propagated from their seeds. There are some plants that can be propagated from cuttings of a certain part of the plant, be that a stem or a root cutting. There are some plants that can be tip layered, some plants that can be divided. There are some plants that you can create new ones purely from a part of the leaf. Now, watercress is one of those plants that you can do all of those things with. When I was talking about the different ways plants propagate, it's to do with which part of the plant contains effectively the equivalent of stem cells. So within a raspberry plant, for example, the stems, if you tip layer them, the stems contain all the genetic ingredients, all the coding to create a new raspberry plant, every part of that plant. It's got all the coding it needs to create the roots and the stems and the leaves and the fruit. Well, with watercress, every single part of the plant has that information. So you could literally take a piece of watercress that you bought in the supermarket and you could chop it up on a chopping board and every single piece is a potential new plant. Now that in itself, for me, is just an amazing thing. And it's one that we... Uh, self-sufficient gardeners can utilize but it gets better it just gets better and better because not only are every part of this plant viable to create new plants with but in addition it's super easy to do you don't need to make a seed bed compost you don't need to expose it to a uh, rooting hormone or anything like that the propagation process is literally as simple as throwing it in some water. So you can literally take some watercress from the supermarket, throw it in your pond or throw it in a water butt and it will grow new plants from it. Now that's just a gift. It's just a, a gift that we should all be utilizing. So I strongly recommend that everybody has some growing in their water butts. And if you've got a pond or any other areas, I strongly recommend you have some growing there too. Now, you can also do gorilla gardening with it. You can 
introduce it to a pond or a stream near you, please be aware of what that might do to the local ecology and infrastructure of the environment in that area. So if you're in an area where it's not a native plant, then maybe you shouldn't be doing that. But if it's native to where you live, then you can take some from one part of a river and introduce it to just somewhere a bit closer to you, if that's what fits. Now, once you've got it growing, it's as you might imagine, much of a cut and come again plant. You can just keep harvesting it and harvesting it and harvesting it. It's a perennial, it will stay there, it'll go through the winter. Um, You might not want to harvest it in the winter to give it every chance of surviving, but it all depends on how much you've grown. So it's a great plant to grow yourself because it's so easy to do. The other reason it's such a great plant or another reason it's such a great plant is what it does in the kitchen. For me, it makes a great salad. It's I quite often have it as the only part of a salad. I'll have a big bowl of watercress. Maybe I'll throw some lemon juice in there. Maybe I'll throw a little bit of olive oil in there. And boom, that's it. A great, tasty salad. But also you can cook it. If you lightly blanch it, it becomes a green, you know, a, a, a cooked vegetable green. So it's a very versatile plant in the kitchen as well. The final thing that I've got to say is that it's also findable in the wild, as you've probably gathered by now. It's something you can go foraging for, and that's another great tool in this plant's arsenal, is that it can be cultivated domestically, commercially, but it can also grow in the wild. So it's a great thing to go foraging for. I love foraging anyway, so the fact that I can forage for one of my favourite plants and maybe bring that home and introduce it to a enclosed captive space at my house, wow, you know, what could be better? There is something that is very important to be aware of, though, if you are foraging for watercress, and I suppose also to be aware of, even if you're growing it on your own property, depending on your property and your layout and where you are, there is a propensity within watercress for it to hold liver flukes and these are little parasites that live in sheep and can also live in humans and they can actually be quite harmful to you. So whenever you're foraging for watercress my advice is to only use that watercress for cooking. If you find it in the wild only use it for cooking. If you've got sheep on your property like I do and the water course that you're taking them from is in any way downstream from that sheep's run or in any way possibly connected to it, again, only use it for cooking. It's not as much of an issue if you're growing it and you've got sheep, you're growing it in a water bottle or something like that because there can't really be any cross-contamination. If you're in the wild, though, and you're foraging, I strongly advise that you cook it even if you can't see any sheep because there can be sheep upstream out of view. There could have been sheep right next to that little stream that you're in just three months ago and they're not there now. So it's always advisable, in my opinion, to take wild watercress and blanch it before you eat it. We also use watercress in a multi-pond system. So what our setup is, or will be when it's complete, is we have three, three ponds, one of them is exclusively exclusively for watercress. So in that pond, we just grow watercress. That pond feeds down into another pond, which is predominantly growing duckweed. 
and then that pond feeds up into the top pond which grows a couple of edible plants around the outside of it but is predominantly for growing fish that are for the table and what happens is the fish excrement effectively is fertilizer for our watercress and then our duckweed and the duckweed and watercress both filter the water before it goes back to the fish and the duckweed feeds the geese and the ducks so it works great in a, a multi-pond system like that so that's watercress i strongly recommend you get some it can be cultivated from seed and again that's very very easy to do i bought a packet of seeds when i first started looking into it before i realized how easy it was to propagate from the plant itself and they all came to fruition very very easily and if for whatever reason you find it hard to get hold of fresh watercress then maybe that's the way you go but what I recommend you do if you're just starting out and you haven't got any yet is you just buy a bag from the supermarket not very often I'll advocate buying a bag of food for the soup from the supermarket or better still go and forage it but if you can't forage any and for whatever reason you can't get hold of the seeds go out buy a bag of watercress and boom that's it you're set up turn half of it into an amazing salad and put the rest of half, and then put the other half into a water bat or a bit of a pond or even a bucket of water outside and that is starting your cycle of perpetual water, watercress production at home. And what a great feeling that is. Thanks for listening. See you on the next one. If you find these podcasts valuable, there's several ways you can support them. The easiest is to leave us a rating and a review wherever you get your podcasts. The other ways you can help us are by sending it to someone else, try and introduce it to new listeners, or blog about it, or include it in some way you post online. All the ways you support us really make a difference. Thanks for your help. See you on the next one.